So, retrospectors, what historical events are we ticking off on this week's run of Today in History? Well, Monday is the anniversary of the first riot of the Luddites. Then on Tuesday, we unearthed the mad coincidence of the day two different Dennis the Menaces made their comic strip debuts. On Wednesday, the day the Spanish conquered the last Maya kingdom. Thursday was the day Colonel Sanders sued KFC. And on Friday, we recall how Vincent van Gogh's sister-in-law made his name. We discuss this and more on Today in History with the Retrospectors. Ten minutes every weekday, wherever you get your podcasts. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Welcome to For Formula One's Sake, the podcast that brings out the red flag every time. Sorry, there's a red flag (laughs) for that comment. Someone's gone off, red flag. Welcome to For Formula One's Sake, the F1 podcast that shows everyone the international hand salute of disapproval. What's that? That was the Sky commentator's description of Lewis Hamilton's signal to Gutierrez. I think his glove malfunctioned. Welcome to For Formula One's Sake, the podcast that has made about £30 from Terry's Potty Mouth. Yes, I donated it to Mind, which I'm very happy for, because we nearly said we're going to give it to Sauber, and that money would have just been like a, a piss in the ocean this week. So thank God that joke backfired. Welcome to For Formula One's Sake, the F1 podcast that, fuck it, it's just really boring. Technically, it should be a short podcast because nothing happened, but in my experience, we'll drag what's going to happen is we're going to just talk about a lot of nothing. It's going to be a lot of drag, aerodynamic oh, drag. So, yeah, it's just going to be going on and on and on. On about and on and on like and on. Then he thinks something exciting is going to happen. So keep this- listening. I'm Chica Ayres, and today, from the BFI South Bank in central London, we look back at the Hungarian Grand Prix. Last weekend, we travelled to the motherland of the Rubik's Cube, the birthplace of the Biro and the home of the first national park to watch the 12th race of the season. In qualifying, rain disrupted everything so much that at one point it looked like NASA would be on pole. And on Sunday, we were treated to the hottest track Pirelli have ever seen. Along with this, drivers went to war over flags and the radio dispute reared its ugly head again. Can we really fit all that in? Probably, because yes. we've got a lot else to play. With me is a man who is off to Central America for three weeks, but managed to get sunburn in Essex on Saturday. It's Terry Saunders. My back's a bit tingly. You don't look sunburnt, though. My ass, because I'm wearing a T-shirt, uh. and the sunburnt area is my back. <laughs> I've been to the hygienist today. Oh, dental hygienist. Is this the most dental exciting hygienist. thing you've done in the last week? Well, I happen to have a very inappropriate hygienist who... When I lay down, went, oh, I like a nice beard, and actually kind of grabbed and stroked my beard. Was it a man beard, or a woman? A woman. Okay. And then Age. she said, don't tell my husband, though. And I was kind of lying there. <laughs> then she was like, what's wrong? What, have you got any problems? And I was like, well, I think I've got a bit of a taste in my mouth. And she started picking bits out of my back teeth and then <laughs> putting them near my nose and going, yeah, smell that. <laughs> and alongside him is a motoring journalist who appears to be both shaking and baking. It's Phil Tromans. Yes, that's right. Hello, everyone. Yes, Shaking and Baking is a reference to the uh, the comedy film Talladega Nights. I don't know if any of you have seen it. It's a motor racing film with uh, Will Ferrell. It's not as good as Blades of Glory. It's not, but it is about motor racing. And yeah, it, but and Blades it, of Glory is also about motor racing. Ice skating, sorry. <laughs> Had I been ice skating this weekend, that would have been a brilliant reference, but I haven't. Because I missed the Grand Prix on Sunday, I had to catch up and watch it later. Because I was at Rockingham Motor Speedway, driving an actual, genuine NASCAR. What? Cool. Yeah, that's right. What? Yeah, there's a, a an experience called the American Race Car Experience up at Rockingham, which is the UK's only oval circuit. 
uh, and they invited me up to drive uh, some of their collection of uh, genuine past works team NASCARs that they brought over from the States. And I jumped in and had a go, and it was really good fun. And incredibly not like F1, because it's basically like driving a car from the 1950s. So yet again, let's just recap here. You've driven a NASCAR. Yeah. I've been to, <laughs> I've been to the hygienist. <laughs> when I was in Portugal, I didn't poo for six days. That's what? not natural. And I'm not sure why. I don't know what was going on there. Um, but anyway. <laughs> Nothing good, I would imagine. Did you wee? I weed, yeah, Did yeah. you try and poo? There was no urges. So um, I was... That is weird. So the day after, um, I woke up in the morning and thought, here we go. It's time. Here we go. Imodium. So, so I went and I produced something that um, a small horse would be proud of. And um, I thought, that's impressive. So well thank you, thank you. Anyway, I, I really, this is one of these stories you start, you think, oh, shut up. It didn't go away. So, oh, <laughs> okay. So oh. I didn't know what to do. So I text my friends, and I was like, yeah, "That's the best thing to do." I'm you Snapchat. Flushing. At least I'm you Snapchat. <laughs> Periscope. I'm flushing every ten minutes, but like to try and break it down. But every time I flush, like it goes away, and then it rears its ugly head again. So I wasn't sure what to do. This and is where you need a penis, because you can direct the flow of weed. Oh, what are we going to say there? I thought you were going to say just poke it. This is like that the kind of tips you get in like Take a Break magazine. <laughs> no, with the Wii. Have a Wii <laughs> and use it like a hose to break up. Oh the yeah, that could work as well. It, it does work. Very it does work. strong Wii. Trust me. Yeah. Well, I thought if it gets bad, because um, my I, my boyfriend was going to get home from work in you know, just a few hours, so I thought I need to get rid of it. Well, he's a doctor, then. isn't he? <laughs> well, I just didn't want to see it. You know, I didn't want oh my that God, that's not humanly possible. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get you into the ward immediately. <laughs> So I thought I might have to um, put on like a glove and throw it over the balcony, but that never happened. Um, <laughs> Just as he arrives home. Oh so, God, um, I can't. So what happened? So I looked online. <laughs> you are such a millennial. <laughs> you are. You. And it said that I read about this woman that was. Um, she's explained this time. She said that she put a tea towel around over her mouth and she poked it with a lolly stick. I thought you were going to say <laughs> put a tea towel around her mouth and then picked it up like she was bobbing for apples. <laughs> and she poked it with a lolly stick. But anyway, Did you have a lolly stick? Did you have to eat a lolly? I didn't have a lolly stick. We're going to go get a lolly quickly. <laughs> this is an emergency. I didn't think about that. I didn't think so. I looked around the house everywhere and I was like, I have nothing that resembles a lolly stick. I didn't know what to do. Don't use cutlery, which is my first... And in the end, do <laughs> with a knife before. Hang on, you don't use cutlery. That's one of your I, things. I don't, we don't need to have cutlery. I found uh, the instrument that dealt with it and got rid of it was actually a, a laminated map of Canary Wharf. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I, I can now at least admit I was wrong. But I thought when you moved out of that place, the peanut factory oh, yeah, the with ship, the poo the, everywhere. The mat, yeah. <laughs> I thought. In a way, I'm glad Chica's moved on to better things, but it's sad for the podcast that we won't have such fecal-based <laughs> stories. But now, I can see you're back to your true self. I'm, I'm back. I'll always be like that. You've had a couple of months going <laughs> on best behaviour, and now it's just potty mouth filth. So we're not going to be telling grandchildren about this race, and we might even struggle to fill a podcast talking about it. So that is where your opinions come in as a source of much-needed content. The theme of this week's Listener Corner is flags, which were at the centre of lots of controversies at the Hungara Ring. Let's start with Fingergate. Esteban Gutierrez seemed to ignore blue flags while Hamilton was trying to fend off Rosberg and the Brit gave his Mexican colleague the middle finger. Or oh, I've 
Maybe two, I'm not sure. Mixed reviews. No, it's definitely. I've seen the video. It's definitely a, definitely, one. definitely one finger. Interesting. Gutierrez later posted on Twitter, being a world champion doesn't give you the right to be disrespectful to your competitors, my friend, at Lewis Hamilton. Um, can I just say, yes, it does. Yep. Yep, thanks. Mark Stokes says, disrespectful like ignoring blue flags and potentially changing the race results. Yeah, it is, it is a little bit rich of uh, Gutierrez, yeah. considering he basically just went, oh, I'm not going to get out of the way. No, 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 for ages, and got a penalty as a result of it. To then say, oh, I can't believe you gave me the finger when I nearly lost him the race. Mark Restaino said Gutierrez could totally take Hamilton, should have karate kicked him after the race. As we all know, I fully advocate post-race scraps. You've is been it, a very keen advocate for this kind of post-race violence. How do you think we'd stack up in a, in a Gutierrez versus Hamilton battle? Well, who would you I have no idea what Gutierrez looks like or who he is, <laughs> so Hamilton will win. <laughs> Hamilton, as we've discussed before, does have training. I believe he's got a, back, a black belt in some sort of karate. Yeah, judo. There you go. Maybe karate. All the same. Some sort of martial art. They're all the same. <laughs> <laughs> Just, uh, I know Phil is a uh, martial art dabbler, so I thought I'd try and goad him into attacking first, which is against the rules. No, I'd just use your own attack against you. <laughs> what? Oh. That really hurts. Scott Somerville <laughs> says it wasn't any worse than the constant effing and jeffing over the radio by Vettel. I well, love that thing. It's becoming like his thing now, isn't it? I, it used to be that winning races all the time was his thing when he was at Red Bull. Now it's just swearing a lot. Well, let's not forget, when Vettel was always winning, he'd get his finger out. And now and he'd suddenly... Have that, oh, he'd have that awful pre-prepared... Yes, yes, and yes again. Yeah, oh, and, now, like that. and now Hamilton's getting his finger out. Just because it's a different finger doesn't mean there's anything less of it. The world champion is entitled to use their finger. I think On Fettel should, uh, instead Sorry. of swearing all the time, I think Fettel should pull his finger out. Well, that's the problem. Also, did you see the interview with Vettel afterwards when he was like, ha that bit when I swore, I only did it because everyone else was doing it. Yeah, he's How did just he know like, that? Exactly. He's just this. He's. Just, I don't understand this kind of. He's developed this mantle of being this like grumpy old man. And like, when he was world champion, he frankly did sod all for the sport. Like he wasn't. He wasn't an ambassador. He wasn't getting himself out there. He was like, well, I've got a wife and kids. I'm going to go to the Bavarian mountains, and you can all fuck off. <laughs> and then, so all this talk of Lewis Hamilton being like on Instagram and going to film premieres and all this kind of stuff I think that Vettel is jealous that the limelight shifted from him and he knows the only way to get the limelight is to swear so do you, potty mouth so do you reckon that's why he was back bitching and moaning about people not getting out of his way and swearing up the airwaves once again Scott said it was a bit tiresome after a while but from a spectator point of view it livens things up a bit I'm all for the drivers mouthing off every now and again I totally agree yeah, I wonder if he's trying to sort of cultivate a new bad boy image or do you think no, just by like yeah I'm the guy that swears all the time no because afterwards he was all like oh you and know. what you don't realise is one of the buttons on their machine is the beep that covers the swearing on their steering, the steering wheel. wheel so he says can we beep the driver's so he's not actually swearing he's no, he's not actually swearing button. he's pressing the beep button yeah. and he's, he's mouthing it in his balaclava well even if he was going for this bad boy image he kind of ruined it you did see the little clip of um, I think it was before the race when a little boy came up to him and, uh, and gave him a drawing that he'd done of him of, of him on the podium he must have been like eight or something 
and Vettel took it and later on there was a shot of him with all his race gear on sticking it to the wall of the motorhome which I thought was very nice but then what we didn't see is the Ferrari brand ambassador taking it down and going <laughs> this hasn't got a Philip Morris on it anywhere so yeah. get out of it I want sued, cigarettes in this mouth sued the little kid for every penny his parents had <laughs> so we had a heated debate in our last podcast about radio rules and they have changed since then again so we asked you guys what you do to sort them out so Dmitry Kovalenko said what the FIA is trying to achieve is to make teams simplify car controls Hundreds of settings are available in an F1 steering wheel and they don't add anything to the show and require engineers' intervention to help drivers deal with them. True. Taking away from the gladiator battle impression of the F1 of the old days. What should have happened, and I hope will, if the radio band stays, is a drastic reducing of settings available to the driver. Well, they should just take the knobs off the steering wheel. Give them a few knobs with five positions each, one for power unit to adjust the map, aggressiveness, power and fuel consumption, and one for the brake balance, one for the diff. This is still sounding very complicated. F1 is a technical sport and it's great to see cutting edge engineering there, but not engineers intervening during a race. When the race is on, I prefer seeing as much responsibility and action being on driver's shoulders, not a hundred people mission in HQ doing a big part of the job. That's a very good point. I think the salient sentence from that very well put together and very well argued case, Dimitri, is give them a few knobs. I think they should go the other way, make it more complicated. <laughs> I think what they should do is every time there's a radio message, they have to have two people saying opposite things at the same time. Uh-huh. So when well, someone's saying decide box, which. box, box, there's someone else going, don't pit now, don't pit now. Whatever you yeah, do, in either sake, ear. stay out. Yeah, <laughs> it's in either ear and they've got, it's like a choose your own adventure. Like the angel floor. and the devil on your shoulders. <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't do that if I were you, Hamilton. Go on, do it. (laughs) Put the finger up. Don't do the finger up. He'll he'll send a narky tweet about you. Yeah, make it so confusing that when they come out, they're just in tears. There should literally be be like an airplane cockpit with buttons all around the side Uh of the cockpit. When they have the new flip-flop roll cage next year, buttons all the way up there and dials and And stuff. And a co-pilot. Like Charlie's Great Glass Elevator. Yes. Buttons everywhere. Excellent roll dial reference. Thank you. Tell us how wrong we are. You can tweet us at For F1's Sake or find us on Facebook where we're FF1S or email us at wrong at ff1s.com. Right, let's move on to the teams. And we start, as we do every week, with Mercedes. Now, in Hungary, we saw yet another strife between the Mercedes drivers, the blur and oasis of the motoring world. However, after a couple of threats from the team on the racetrack, a quick dispute in the press conference, their rage subsided, and I suspect their near-legendary team spirit is as strong as ever. What I want to know is, should Rosberg have actually really tried to overtake Hamilton? Yes, he should have. I think he was, but he's not as quick as Hamilton. Hamilton was basically playing cat and mouse with them all the time. He'd let him get a little bit close and go, oh, Gutierrez got in my way. Oh, maybe you're going to catch me. Maybe you're going to catch me. And then, bam, no, I'm so a second down the road. So you think Hamilton was being a bit of a tease? That's one way of putting it, yeah. I think he was being careful with his, uh, careful with his rubber. Because they had to remind him halfway through he was in a race, didn't they? Are you writing songs in, <laughs> in, the, in the cockpit? Check my beats. Can I just go back to the idea of the drivers being the Blur and Oasis? Who is Blur and who is Oasis? Hamilton's, Hamilton's clearly Liam Gallagher, Oasis. Isn't he? Yeah. And Rosberg's Blur. He's like, yeah, man for it, you know, a little bit swag. But that would imply that Rosberg will have a career of longevity and will 
will spin off into the gorillas band. Am I taking <laughs> this too literally? I don't understand. Well, I mean, uh, Hamilton is looking into a music career, so he could easily move on. No, now, th- now you thought it, about it, you it might be It kind of means something. that Rosbo's going to get into like world music and ball. Well, Hamilton is the one that's experimenting with other stuff, isn't he? So maybe Hamilton's more like Blur. He's more the Damon Albarn. Maybe, yeah, yeah. maybe you're onto something. And Hamilton's got that new advert, L'Oreal. Which, is he? by sheer coincidence, I'm also now using. <laughs> I just thought he should have. There should have been some bits where he was close to overtaking, but it just was really dull. I think it was all he could do to keep keep okay. up with him. I think we've now seen both cars not having any problems, flat out race between the two, and Hamilton was just like uh, running around, going, "Oh, see if you can catch me. See if you can catch me. Oh, you're nearly there. Oh, you're nearly caught. Cool. You can nearly get there. I'm running. I'm, I'm two seconds down the road now." And that's not the only sign in the race was the start, mm. and really. You know, Hamilton had the best lap in qualifying. Hamilton was probably going to get pole position without the pesky Alonso spin, and that would have been a lights to flag victory. Probably, yeah. He showed he can do good starts, though. Well, so. good on him. I'm not sure if it was a good start by him or an, an average start from Rosberg, but I mean, it worked. Okay, well, let's talk about Ferrari then. So, Ferrari, the place where X World champions go to moan. Providing infinite foul mouthed radio gold combined with the ability to make tyres last almost a decade. Ferrari were definitely my fave team at the Hungarian Grand Prix. It took a few laps of Vettel to realise he was in a race, but once he'd pulled himself together, he found time to shout obscenities down the radio about his fellow drivers ignoring blue flags. Raikkonen bought us 90% of Sunday's entertainment through a ruthless battle with his 18-year-old arch enemy, which he lost. He blamed it on Verstappen, violating Article 27.6 of the sporting regulations, changing direction more than once to defend his position. And when our max was cleared, he blamed it on the rules themselves. So, what did you think of their skirmish at Turn 2? Let's be honest, Verstappen was a little bit weavy, but not too weavy. And Kimi was a little bit Kimi, but not too Kimi. They just, he just didn't bother. I honestly didn't think Max did too much wrong. It was a very robust defence, but he basically went out, he was, he was on the outside, so the left of the track as he'd come out of Turn 1. And he started swinging out to the right, which would be your natural racing line. And then he cut back left. So he turned. The only unnatural thing he did, in my, as far as I could see, was to turn in early for turn two, the left-hander, which was sort of as Raikkonen was thinking about maybe nipping down the inside, and then he changed his mind and he clipped his rear back. Either it was a racing incident. I thought Verstappen was generally exceedingly good at keeping people behind him, as we've seen before with mm. Rosberg as well. I think I think Kimi was just got a bit frustrated. And I think it also shows the wildness of Kimi Raikkonen with his old age is that he moved in every direction going. So from his camera, it looked like the whole fucking world was weaving in front it of him. It looked like he was driving the play bus and just going yeah. left, right, left, right, I left, do right. Any which way I can. And all those things came off his car and his car still worked fine. Get rid of those things in the first place. All these little fritty bits, just get rid of it. Let's be more utilitarian with cars. Well, he did say that that, the, that losing the front winning aim plate meant that he couldn't get so close after that coming out of the final bend, so he couldn't get him under DRS. But, I mean, I agree with you. I think that would, that would solve a lot of problems in F1 if they had much more basic aerodynamics, but that's another discussion. He, he was putting too much energy into moaning about what just happened on the radio during the race. Moving I think he said more words than we've heard him say all season. What is it with Ferrari? I Why think you they... explained it in a previous podcast. Oh, yeah, I did. They should go. Thank you. <laughs> right, OK. Williams, oh. the team that we have come to expect nothing of, yet still every race manages to disappoint us. 
Bottas came home with two points after his biggest achievement was managing to overtake the really quite average Nico Hülkenberg. After Massa's crash in qualifying, things got progressively worse when he was cursed with a steering issue before the race and attempted a one-stop strategy, but that unfortunately wasn't fortified with common sense. Massa had a bit of drama at the start of the race by changing his whole steering column. But when they had that, didn't he say, they said, like, nah, this probably won't work, as they put him out, so... Do you think, actually, because you know that thing where you're, you're going to school and on the way to school, you're, uh, you're going, I don't want to go in. And your mum says, oh, go on, go in. And you have this whole thing, oh, I don't want to. And then you, you maybe, like, pretend to be sick. And they're like, oh, God, are you sick? Oh, you should probably go in anyway. That's what happened with Massa. He went, oh, there's something wrong with my steering column. I don't want to do this race. They're like, oh, all right, we'll fix it. He's like, oh, no, it's still not working. Because he just didn't want to race anymore because he's old. It's not a particularly good look for him to finish all the way down there at a time when everyone's like, oh, he's not going to be there next year. Surely yeah. he, should be, he should be trying to nail really good performances now to show that he can still keep up with the kids. I'm In the point of Formula 1 history, I'm getting Massa confused with Barrichello, even though Massa's still driving. I'm, to me, they're the same person. Old right. Brazilians. Just old shit Brazilians who once had a bit of potential, but frankly, but shit. Also Rams. Yeah. Yeah. Good enough to last in F1 for a long time. Yeah. Not good enough to win anything, really, despite Massa's best efforts in 2008. The Ricardo Patrese of modern era F1. Okay, well, speaking of modern era, let's talk about Red Bull. Reasons why you would want to be Ricardo this week. One, he finally got his second podium of the season. Two, he had a good start and made Rosberg sweat. And three, he has that adorable smile back. And now, reasons why you wouldn't want to be Verstappen. He'd been told off numerous times for going off track. Two, he claimed he was driving like a grandma, which doesn't make sense, and was sexist. And three, he let one of the most popular drivers, and more importantly, his elder, pass. And four, like the child he is, he dogged him in for going off track. I think he said driving like the grandma. No one else on Twitter agreed with me on this, but I thought he said I'm driving like the grandma. So who's the grandma? Well, I think that's a question we should all ask. I think we could then maybe unlock... Uh, Verstappen's potential by working out who the grandma is. He's from Amsterdam. Maybe it's a, a red light worker. <laughs> oh <laughs> who, wow! Who his dad said? Is he know, from Amsterdam? Is he not? For the purposes of this story, he's from Amsterdam. <laughs> oh, he's just Dutch, isn't he? So I think he's mostly Belgian, actually. Oh. Well, the other option is <laughs> because of Verstappen's. Dad being a Formula One driver, uh-huh. Mum being a very successful racer. His grandma is probably someone who won the Indy 500. His grandma was Fangio. <laughs> His grandma was the the Michelin man. Grandio. So saying I'm driving like grandma is a good thing? I think so. I think uh-huh. he's going, I'm really impressed with myself. I'm driving like grandma. So are Red Bull now the biggest threat to Mercedes? Yes and no. They are the biggest threat to Mercedes, but they're also not very threatening to Mercedes. Why? Because Mercedes are still way out front. Yeah. Mercedes could basically do a bit of a hare and a tortoise thing and change childhood stories forever. They could not bother. They could have a little nap by the side of the road for the next few months. But unlike the hare and a tortoise, they'd still win. Even though Hamilton has run out of engines? Yeah, but if they're napping by the side of the road, they don't need engines. In fact, it's a really good idea for how Mercedes can win the championship if they just nap by the side of the road until, like, November. Or come back for a sort of Abu Dhabi in Brazil yeah. and win the championship. That's actually a really good idea. That they should put that in the yeah, rules. You should write good. to uh, Toto. Are they a threat to 
Ferrari. Yes. Hell yeah. I like a sit like a Ferrari. Yeah. Thinking. Where are they in the championship now? I haven't got the standings. They're actually. like a they're point they're behind Ferrari. Yeah, very close. Okay. And they look Ferrari like they're in the ascendancy a bit. Plus they've got two good drivers, whereas Ferrari have one good driver and one driver who's sometimes all right. <laughs> Which one's but that? Well, he's a good is one. It yeah. oh. No, he's the, he's the one that can't be asked and just moans a lot. No, wait, that's Vettel. Oh, oh they both do. Right, the team that we thought were really good last week. So, in a sport where a company pay millions to sponsor the neck velcro of a boiler suit, and it's okay for scantily dressed women to unnecessarily hold numbers up on the grid, the two most important things are team pride and teamwork. Can I just interrupt there? Yeah. I think it's entirely necessary. Thanks. Okay. Last weekend, we'll argue about this later. <laughs> Last weekend, our new favourite team, Force India, were unable to fulfil either of these requirements. As Hulkenberg found out, nothing is more humiliating than losing a pit race to Palmer. And it took Perez's team a while to notice that he was waiting for new tyres, costing him crucial seconds. So what has happened to the team that last week we were so proud of? Balls it up. Just chance cock-ups. Bad day in the office. Hulkenberg was like at the top of the grid for like a minute or two mm. in the wet qualifying. Yeah. Perez came into the pits and there's no one there. But was that, had he been called into the pits? I think so. I think they've now said it was the, the team's fault. Uh, it was basically the same as what happened to Red Bull with Ricardo in Monaco is that okay. the, the team had come in but they didn't bother telling the mechanics. The best bit though was when he went, what happened guys? Why wasn't you in the pits? And they just went, understood, we'll talk about this later. And it's just like, <laughs> that's not helping. Let's not talk about it now, yeah. Sergio. Yeah. We debate over radio like, well, I'm really sorry, Perez. What happened is he had new Jaffa cakes. Guys, uh, while we're here, uh, in the hotel this morning, there was a skid mark on my sheet. <laughs> Oh, I'm sorry. They've got a media pass, and uh, I think Chica Airs was staying at the hotel. Can we have a little talk about? I, I was being facetious with the grid girls. I don't think it's entirely necessary they need to be scantily clad, mm-hmm. but I think it's been proven that they do need to be people holding up the numbers of the cars, otherwise they'll just get lost. But you could have men doing it as well. well they oh, sometimes yeah, totally. do, but not all yeah. the time. No, I think they could have men, and they could have non-scantily clad women or scantily clad men. But what well, my point is, then there clearly needs to be people there because drivers are stupid i think we're in agreement then okay so the grid girls stay yes right hey yes hey watching ha watching has this weekend was like spiring through a subsequence of emotions primarily those of disappointment distress and humiliation which is how ep is coming out next <laughs> week <laughs> Hass's hopeful Grosjean had a truly horrendous weekend with brake problems, getting stuck behind a manor which he said made it the worst race of the year. Gutierrez became the Michael Gove of Formula One. He got in the way a bit, pissed off everyone he shouldn't, and now everyone hates him. He rounded it all off by sending sassy tweets to Hamilton after the race. So I was wondering what happened there? Could he have just missed the flags? Yes, that's very wow. possible. Is it? The flags that are waving in his face and beeping in his ear. And the and blue lights flashing at the side glowing, of the circuit and the blue lights flashing on, on his, his steering wheel. wheel. <laughs> Maybe he's colourblind. Is anyone giving him any consideration for that? What if he it's can't see common. blue? What if blue and green are the same to him? The only thing I can think of is that he thought it was a police car. Uh, even then he should pull over. Maybe, or maybe or he thought he was on the same lap as Hamilton. Uh, I mean, he's in a house. So basically, I he's just, an idiot. I don't we, understand I think how he if I was being lapped in a Formula One Grand Prix, I would be there going, this is my moment to show how 
I'm a good driver and I'm going to disobey that very fundamental rule that actually has only been in place for the last 20 years. And it used to be lapping cars was actually a part of the skill of the job, not that they had to dive out of the way for you. And I personally think it still should be because it is in every other form of motorsport apart from Formula 1. Exactly. But so, that's another issue. So what he was doing was a dirty protest. Sorry, Chica. He was doing a dirty... <laughs> I'm going to protest this in a way that says this is a stupid rule and I think he had a special button on his steering wheel that was going to unfurl a banner saying save the blue flag five. Was it like the, the shell protest a few years ago? Yep. Or wherever it was. Yep. He's got a little, little remote control sort of saying it's going to, you know, this is for all the backmarkers out there, the, the <laughs> oppressed comrades. Keeping it real. Yeah. It's a shame because the rest of the race he did all right. He did drove he, quite well. Did, did he? he? I honestly for can't him. say I particularly noticed. But well, I'll exactly, you because you were distracted by the flags. Yep. Renault. <laughs> Up until lap 49, we saw a Palmer that his terrifying dad would be proud of. Points were on the horizon until he span and his father closed his heart to him. However, not a bad finish. 12th, considering he qualified in 17th. Magnussen's chances of points were jeopardised by an odd strategy decision by Renault. But he came home in 15th. Now, Hungary wasn't a disaster, but what do you reckon Renault needs to do? Get rid of Palmer. Can I just say, it was very pleasing to watch Jocelyn Palmer write his resignation letter <laughs> on whatever lap, that lap 49 of the race. Using rubber on the track. Yeah, he meant. just said, dear sir or madam, <laughs> I resign. <laughs> Next year, when you're making a decision about who's going to race, please use this as evidence that I am no fucking good so we're not going to see him next season no okay unless unless you know who Renault is he access to all of Jonathan Palmer's circuits. anyone okay Phil me you anyone is better than Jocelyn Palmer Toro Rosso the team breadwinner and the Spanish heartthrob signs drove well against Alonso and he got his third eighth place in a row well there's a certificate you're on your wall isn't it consistency <laughs> is important <laughs> How was 2016 for you, Grandad? Well, uh, I came eight three times. Uh huh. It was, however, another disappointing weekend for his comrade, team player Kvyat, who announced that he didn't trust the car, he got a five-place grid penalty for speeding in the pit, and still has his fingers tightly crossed for a contract renewal at Toro Rosso. Where do you think we'll be seeing this contemptuous Russian next season? Well, Formula E, yeah, clearly. Formula E. But what do you yeah. mean he didn't trust his car? That's he said that. He's it's getting looking, paranoid. Oh, I just love the fact he's just saying, even his car's against me. This, this car's <laughs> saying I preferred it when Verstappen was in it. Oh, I don't know. It's just looking at me funny. <laughs> it was. Uh, it's worth noting that last year's Hungarian Grand Prix, Kvyat was on the podium ahead of Ricardo. This year, oh. not so much. I like him. I still I'm sure he's a lovely guy, but also you should know that apparently leading the GP2 championship is a is a Red Bull Junior driver called Pierre Gasly, who's also their test driver. So you reckon he's me taking? Suddenly, suddenly they've got another option. Interesting. Kvyat will either be at Formula E or Renault, uh -huh. Formula E, or just in a factory in Russia. The only uh, the only thing way I could see him staying in is if he wins all the next races or if he's bankrolled so much by Russia. And because there is a Russian Grand Prix, or if, uh, so that they decide that there's got to be a way of keeping him in. Or if uh, Carlos Sainz was to have an accident. A mysterious, Colombian-related <laughs> <laughs> well, accident. It would be a shame if you got your knees caved in when you uh, sat down at your desk at night, wouldn't it? It would be uh. a shame if you were jumped by a poison-tipped umbrella walking over London Bridge. Don't have sushi. Manor! As Silverstone, we personified Manor as an expat called Peggy. In Hungary, 
It was a pessimistic 40-year-old called Brian that has a failing career in sales due to his poor outlook. And when things go wrong, he says, I told you so. Now, I heard rumours that this could be Harry Anto's last race. Could this be true? Well, um, possibly, because uh, he does apparently have money issues from his sponsors. He's being bankrolled by Indonesia, somebody in Indonesia, presumably the government. In fact, no, it is the government, isn't it? Because there was that letter at the beginning of the season that said, Dear Manor, here's some money, love Indonesian government. He has a contract for the whole year, but he's only paid half the year's money. So if he doesn't pay the rest of the money, he could find himself out of a drive. So Which would, would be a bit of a shame. Now, who would replace him? Wouldn't now, he get a squatter's rights? The smart money is on a certain driver that's a favourite of Terry Saunders. Stop Nigel Ruffle. Mansell. Stop Ruffle. No, not Stop Nigel Mansell, Ruffle. yes. Nigel Mansell, actually. There is oh, that kind of ruined that for me, because I got excited about Stoffel Ruffle becoming a driver again. But then Chica said Nigel Mansell, and I thought, Stoffel Ruffle's not a Nigel Mansell. I prefer Nigel Mansell. Well, McLaren spokesman said, as Ron Dennis has already said, Stoffel is very much part of the McLaren family. However, it doesn't surprise us that other Formula One teams are interested in him because he's obviously very talented and cap very capable. But with regard to the rumour, it's just a rumour, nothing more. He's Which I think replaced. is absolute cast-iron guarantee that if Rio can't find yeah, some that's cash... That's not a denial. That's, uh, that we're not denying this. Cast-iron. If Button doesn't... Well, I don't know, if Button doesn't go... Well, Button's going. Clearly, Button's going. But to sum up, I've no idea. I, for one, hope Harry Anto doesn't go because I've got a really good Lady Gaga joke about Harry Anto, but I'm not going to do it until the next race. Are you sure you don't so, want to get Anna just in no, case? No, I want, if Manor are listening, I want them to base their contract decisions <laughs> on the fact I've got a really good, like, top-notch Lady Gaga joke. Really? One yeah, of your yeah. best? Well. Sauber. So a financial line has been thrown to the Swiss team who were drowning in debt, forced to send their drivers to labour camps between races. <laughs> I made that bit But now we are witnessing a new chapter in the team's history. However, last weekend didn't represent Salba's new financial utopia though. We witnessed Ericsson crashing yet again in qualifying, having to have three stops, and he got his worst joint finish of all time. Things look better for his teammate, which admittedly is hard not to, but still no points. Could this godsend of money really change things for them this season? No, no. It will not change anything for them this season, but it means that at the very least, at the very least, they'll be there next season, which we're starting to look down for. If they've got any sense at all, and I'm sure they have at least a bit, the, the, the money from the, the takeover will go straight into next year's car. So They're they going to be shit for the rest of the year. They won't even bother with this season. I'd, very, I'd be very surprised if they do. It's a lost cause at this point. Okay, then. McLaren. In a somewhat tedious race, the McLaren drivers provided us with material to fill some of the long gaps in interest. Alonso received and ignored warnings, but his crafty driving meant he came home in seventh. While Button may not have finished, but his sarcastic radio chat was something even the most cynical Brit could be proud of. What did you think of McLaren's performance at the Hungaroring? Before we start on the fact that they're shockingly rubbish, they did quite well. They were basically on pace the seventh car so they were behind the Mercedes Red Bull Ferrari and on pace Alonso was seventh and that would be impressive if this was 18 months ago yeah. well I was listening to our podcast that we did last year and we made the very valid point that uh, in last year's race Alonso was fifth and Button was ninth and we said at the time is this the start of McLaren's resurgence <laughs> and then said no of course it's not and well, so this year worse good on us if he hadn't had a stuck pedal, then they could have both been in points there. Coulda, shoulda, woulda. 
I think they're getting better. Are slowly. They? Yeah, no, I, I think genuinely they had the pace to actually not luck into a points thing. I think Alonso was on pace, was doing well. I don't know. They were fifth and ninth last year. And what did you think but of the Button's quality ra- radio chat? Oh, Button, stop moaning. God, it's like, I think he stopped giving a shit now. He's like, well, hey, we're going to have a fun time today. It's going to be hell on earth. So Button said, I've got um, a stuck pedal. And they said, Jensen, stay out. And he said, oh, fantastic. A race from hell this is going to be. He could have said something funnier, but I thought well, he sort of ended it with a jocular sort of... <laughs> oh, did he? Yeah, Which, I've got to say, now, I know the radio technology in the 80s wasn't as good, but this whole argument of the cars are easier to drive, I don't think any driver was that sassy in the 80s because they were knackered. Did they have radio in the 80s? No, but if they did, I mean, they, they spoke under their helmet. You know, they would have been, like, talking to themselves like a toddler in a pushchair, <laughs> and I don't think they'd have had the time or the energy to be that sassy. I think it's showing how little Jensen Button is trying if he's just there going, oh, well, I'm really pissed off about this, guys. Oh, by the way, um, could one of you cancel one of my direct debits? Because I just realised that uh, I've changed my energy supply. But they said they're going to cancel it, but I'm not sure they have. So maybe just what I'm in turn four, I was just thinking about that. And actually, uh, oh, yeah. Oh, can someone check my Santander money's coming? Because um, I don't think it has. And I had some money going out last week, but it wasn't there. No, yes. Uh, actually, could you maybe just put my statement on my dashboard? Because on, on turn seven, I'm really doing fuck all. <laughs> He did actually get... He got a penalty, didn't he, for radio? Oh, yeah. He got, well, he got a bank charge because he hadn't cancelled his direct All of which takes us to the standings. OK, <laughs> Drivers' Championship. In first place, screw you, Gutierrez. Second place, screw you, Lewis. Third place, screw you, little boy. Fourth place, screw you, little boy. Fifth place, screw you, blue fags. Sixth place, <laughs> screw you, puberty. Seventh place, screw you, Williams. Eighth, screw you, pit crew. Ninth, screw you, steering column. Tenth, screw you, dad. Eleventh, screw you, Dover traffic. That's uh, Roman Grosjean because the uh, traffic in has been quite bad in Dover because of France. Number twelve, screw you, rain, for stopping. Number thirteen, screw you, Formula One's general direction in the future. Fourteenth, screw you, Red Bull, I'm not over it. Fifteenth, screw you, radio rules. Sixteenth, screw you, Palmer, for constantly making me look good. Seventeenth, screw me, Terry. What? Eighteenth, uh, stuff a ruffle. Screw you! <laughs> okay, so constructors, in the style of designs anyway, I need one of you to give me a household appliance. Iron. An iron. And a style of film. Noir. Noir. And a musical style. Rock. Right. I mean, I've, <laughs> I've no idea what they do next, but let's see. So we're going to make it into a song with uh, Colin Till at the piano. Okay, so we had iron, film noir, <coughs> rock noise. Do the rock noise. I mean, is that rock? I mean, that's more. Well, kind what of kind of metal. rock are we doing here? I'm thinking I mean, like rock? 80s Queen. <laughs> I was in my room the other day and I saw a Mercedes in first place with my crumpled shirt and I took a Ferrari and ow, it hurt. The iron was on and I put it on before I went to bed and there was a fire in my place, which is a Red Bull. I went to my neighbour. He is called William. <laughs> <laughs> said my door stuck because there's a fire I think there's a backdraft he said force India my name is India 
I said, <laughs> said I'm really scared about my wife. She's asleep. And she said, what's her name? I said, Toro Rosso. He said, Toro Rosso? I said, I panicked. Her name's actually McLaren Honda. The fire brigade came with their hoses and they said, isn't this supposed to be a film noir? And I said, yes, it is. So I walked down to the street and I went to the phone box and I said, Hass. And they said, Freno. And I said, Mano. <laughs> Turns out improv's harder than it looks. <laughs> So now it's that time of the programme that we head back to Terry Saunders to tell us about the state of F1. Guys, Fernando Alonso is pissed off. He's been on a long fuse ever since his last World Championship in, I think, 1924. And a bunch of near misses in Ferrari, plus a couple of years in a McLaren that are so off target, they're basically breaking neighbours' windows. He's close to cracking. This week, he basically took over my job and complained about the current state of F1, saying, I'm not happy for some things that are happening. We cannot drive the cars to their real limits. We can never attack as much as we would because the tires don't allow you to. That's because before, when you were attacking in the turn, the speed was so high, you really had to trust your car, trust that it could handle it. With less grip, it's easier to find the grip's limit. Before, after 10 laps, you could have a two-hour massage, which I think is like a, a, a tiger point thing. Well, now you can drive 150 laps and barely sweat by the end. Now, I should say I don't advocate exertion being measured by massages, but for the record, my driving lessons have reached the level of a a 10-minute shoulder rub. By who? Your instructor? I mean, my hygienist and my instructor together. It's it's got weird, if I'm honest. But what can we do to fix F1? Right, it's not feasible to uninvent technology despite what anyone says, and despite heavy nostalgia, taking off all the sensors and gizmos won't make better racing. I've broken Formula 1 down into four main problems. First, the tyres. It sounds simple, make the tyres better, but we used to have great tyres that you could push on and the races are really dull. Pirelli were asked to make flaky tyres to make the racing better and that has worked, but not perfectly. Second, DRS. DRS is a sticking plaster that has worked, but what we're not aware of is underneath the original cut has got all infected. Overtaking was too hard, now it's too easy. Add in a tiny differential and it's like beating a child at football. A result, but deeply (laughs) underwhelming. Three, dirty air. You still can't follow that close to another car and overcomplicated aero screws everything. And four, radios. We know the rules are weird at the moment, but driver coaching was getting silly with all the settings. Driving an F1 car was more like ringing an IT department and being given step-by-step instructions of how to print a document. But don't worry, I've got a four-part solution to this problem. Number one, tyres. They are hugely important and totally overbearing on the result, so let's just do away with them. (laughs) Open the rules to have anything you like. Tracks, skis, hover boosters. Surely the engineers can come up with something better than tyres. Two, DRS. We keep DRS. I know that's controversial, but now we have what's called Russian DRS. And there's a one in six chance of the wing just falling off every time you press the button. (laughs) Three, dirty air. They've got the wooden barge board on the bottom of the car. Now, I propose a huge square plank of plywood on the back that negates all the airwood coming off it. Uh, Sponsors are allowed. (laughs) Four, radios, right? This radio thing has got complicated. You can't say do nothing, you can't say do everything, so what's the solution? The solution is capture. 
You know those little boxes you get on web forms where you have to type in a word that's on like a really squiddly, mm -hmm. squiddly uh, lettering, right? Whenever the drivers want advice, they have to, on their little steering wheel, do that. <laughs> <laughs> so, they have so to no, prove they're human. They can get race sensitive info by proving they're not a robot, but they have to fill in one of those things at 200 miles an hour. So, <laughs> you know, it's a, it's a gamble. And third, just for the laughs, I think get rid of helmets. <laughs> Thanks, bye. <laughs> That's it from us. It is goodbye from Phil Tromans. We haven't had time to talk about the fact that I have brought a genuine F1 accessory, a bicycle that the teams use to scope out tracks, and I will be using to potter around Hayward's Heath. Ah, oh, it's a shame we haven't had time for that. And <laughs> to Terry Saunders. We haven't had time to talk about um, the guy that was sat near us for most of this podcast, who is now gone. But we tried to get him on. He used to work for McLaren and he's been in Bernie Eccleston's jet and he was a little bit scary. <laughs> I think he was rather drunk. I don't think he was. Anyway, <laughs> hi if you're Sophie, listening. Sophie, yeah. Lovely guy. We'll be back next week for the German Grand Prix. Until then, don't forget to rate us on iTunes, tell your mates about the show, warn your friends and family about the swearing, although I think this week we've been all right. I'd like that, cunt. I've been Shigrez. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Podcast Network.